Welcome. You're listening to Building the Backend, a podcast for data architects, where we will uncover what's working and what's not across the data landscape. I'm your host, Travis Lawrence. Join me on a journey to understand the best patterns, tools, and frameworks for implementing modern data architectures. Each week, I'll interview data leaders and architects like the Vice President of Engineering at LinkedIn or the founder of Data Kitchen and employees at Microsoft and Google and many other top companies. To start off the new year, I have put together a quick 60-second survey to help me better understand how I can best serve you. Go to buildingthebackend.com slash survey to complete it. And if you do, your next coffee is on me, aka I will email you a Starbucks gift card. If you're hearing this message, then the survey is still live, so act fast and help me improve the podcast. Without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey, Data Nation. I'm really excited for this next conversation where we will be discussing all things data ingestion and in particular about using the open source data integration tool, Airbyte. To have this conversation, we have brought Michelle Treecoat on the show, co-founder of Airbyte. Michelle, welcome to the show. Hi, Travis. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Absolutely. Can you share a little bit more about your previous experience and what led you to start Airbyte? Yeah, of course. So before starting, before starting Airbyte, I've worked for uh, over 15 years in the data space for different industries. I started on more like financial data, always in the realm of data integration, pulling data from many different places, cleaning up that data and exposing that data to users. So I've done financial data. And then in 2011, I moved in the United States and I started to work in a company called Lyram. I was an earlier engineer at that company. And basically this company is operating at internet scale, having like collecting data from a lot of websites and integrating with customers data platform. And its role was really, how do we, my role over there was, how do we integrate live room in the ad tech and math tech ecosystem. So I was leading a team of over 30 engineers and we were basically building and maintaining and scaling thousands of different integration, moving hundreds of terabytes of data every single day. So I would say when I look back, this is probably where I got most of my data integration scars. And, and yeah, and after that, I joined another company still on the data space, but more this time on like map data, IoT data. So different type of data, but still the same problematics and the same type of system that we need to build. And that's what got me to starting Airbyte. Awesome. And for listeners who are not familiar with Airbyte, can you explain what is Airbyte? When do you, you use it? Yeah, of course. So Airbyte, very simple. It moves data from point A to point B. And when you're looking at any kind of organization, you have data set that is fragmented across many different systems, whether it's a SaaS service, whether it's a database, whether it's a Kafka queue, whether it's a file on S3, on Azure Blob Storage, or anything like that. And you have this data. And at some point, you will want to just centralize that data into your brand new data warehouse or your brand new data lake. And this is what Airbyte helps you to do. It can abstract away the complexity of all these sources of data and allows you to fit that data into a centralized place without having to worry about creating connectors, like building API integration and things like that. And it's an open source uh, platform. And we are basically working with our community to provide many out of the box connectors that can just pull data from all these different sources. Great. 
And what makes Airbyte different than the hundreds of other integrations? I would say biggest thing is we are open source. So what we've done is we've actually started from the ground up on building a data exchange protocol that allows us to move data from point A to point B. And then what we're doing on top of it is we're adding additional abstraction that are specific for REST API, that can be specific for XML API, or that can be specific for databases or data queues. And we're just building all this abstraction so that for our community and for our team, it's easier and easier to build. But more importantly, it's easier to maintain because when you're building all these data connectors as a data engineer, the pain is not in building it. It is in maintaining it over the long run because you're basically integrating with a foreign system. And this foreign system, I can bet you, is going to break 100% of the time, one day or another. And that's really what we are, that's really why we're, we're different. Also, with how the data landscape has changed over in terms of privacy in the last few years, because we're open source, we can run in the safety of your own cloud. So you don't have to exchange data with a, a third party vendor. Yep. Well, that's great. And does Airbyte integrate? With streaming, change data capture, you already said API, and obviously batch sources. Does it integrate with all four? Not streaming today. Okay. I would say, yes, we do uh, change data capture, but what we do is micro batches. So we don't have like long running data ingestion. It's just we're going to ingest. At some point, we're going to decide to stop. And a few minutes later, we're going to restart and start from where we, we left off. But yeah, focus on. SAS APIs, uh, change data capture for databases and, uh, and queues, but in a micro batches, using micro batches. Sure. I mean, you say queues, would that, could Kafka, I guess Kafka would fall under that bucket? It would, yes. Okay. Just that so I guess... we, we would not continuously listening on Kafka. It's just, we would just read everything we can mm -hmm. and stop at some point, shut down the connector. Yep. Spinning it up back again five minutes later and start from where we left off. We have plans of okay. supporting like long running connectors, but that's uh, probably right. for end of 2021 or beginning of 2022. Yep, and that makes a lot of sense. And then you mentioned Airbyte's open source, doing some research. I guess you found it in 2020, early 20, and you've already had a lot of connectors. How big is the Airbyte team today? And I guess how. Airbyte being open source, are you offering a commercial product on top of that? Or how is Airbyte making money? Yeah, good question. So we started Airbyte in January 2020. Back in the day, it was a different product. And we in July, we really pivoted to the Airbyte project, as people know it today. We released it end of November, uh, end of September. And since then, we've been used by over 4,000 different companies. And we went from six... I would say approximate connectors to over a hundred pretty high quality connectors. And the, day, the one of the reasons we're able to like get that so quickly is that we've been really building a, a data com community of data engineers uh, and software engineers around Airbyte. Today we have like 2.5 thousand, uh, sorry. Yeah, 2.5 thousand uh, members on our Slack, and we get a lot of contribution from people who just add new connectors or contribute to co different connectors. And in terms of how we make uh, money, 2021, our goal is we want to build a community. We want to build an amazing project to help data engineers. 
obviously we're also a company, so we need to monetize that. And what we're doing right now is uh, a lot of the team is actually focused on building the cloud version of Airbyte. So it's fully hosted. You don't have to manage it. And okay. that's pretty much what we're doing right now. In addition to like improving the open source product. Yep. Awesome. And is Airbyte strictly an integration tool? Are there any transformation capabilities or anything like that? We're really on the we're really on the EL side, like extract and load. Now we yep. do integrate with tools like DBT, and there's some okay. trans some piece of the system where we are using DBT behind the scene, but it is not something that we expose. But yes, after that, you can connect to your GitHub repository with DBT models, and we can run this transformation uh, once the replication is finished. Okay. At that point, you would have DBT installed on in your environment, and then Airbyte can orchestrate and kick off that process. Yeah. Awesome. Exactly. Who are your main competitors? I would say Fivetran and Stitch in the paid in the closed source in the closed source space. Yeah. That's I would be these are the these two are the, the main ones. But one of the reasons why we build it open source when we started Airbyte, we actually talked to many customers of these two companies, plus others that are also doing data integration in a closed source way. And what we realized that one hundred percent of the customer we talked to we're also rebuilding data integration on the side for the reason of their source not being supported, their destination not being supported by the systems they were paying for, or supported, but not in the way they wanted. So might be missing some records, like some type of record, some data, et cetera, and they needed the flexibility to update this integration. And so that's why we went for like the open source approach on, on that front. Makes a lot of sense. Do you know how many connections roughly that Fivetran has? Connectors? Where they support? Yeah, yep. I would say around 150. That's probably it. So you, y'all are at already 200, right? No, we're at 117. If I'm not okay. mistaken, that changes every day. Our goal <laughs> is to be at 200 by the end of the by the end of the year. Okay, so if y'all hit that goal, then you already have more connectors, more than five tran. Yeah, um, yeah. And but we have an advantage is that we are working with our community. So mm -hmm. the, the thing is the cost of building a connector is not just in like building it, it's in maintaining it. So as a closed source company, there is always an ROI consideration whenever you're building a new connector. There's, I release it, now I need to maintain it until the end, the end of the product. Whereas in our case is we can build as many as we want and we build it because the community is asking us or because just the community is contributing. And if it breaks, then we maintain it or the community maintains it with us. Great. And then are all the connectors that you have, are they all fully supported or fully vetted and ready for operational production use? Yeah. Yeah. So we actually have some like labels on our connectors and there are some that we qualify as certified. And these ones are one where we have a sandbox account okay. with the source service. We have fake data and we continuously test this. And then we have those that are coming from the community and that are not yet certified. And for these, they are being tested because we have users that are using these connectors, but we don't have, they are not yet part of our connector infrastructure. Yep, got it. And who are your main open source competitors? Um, I would say Singer, which is, but they really focus on just the connector itself. 
So basically when you want to build, when you want to use it, you need to put everything together around it. Like you need to have some airflow, you need to have like error management, log management, etc. What we want is to really have an out of the box solution that you can use. Maybe Meltano trying to revive a bit the, the singer community and like leveraging airflow and other tools like that. Okay. Awesome. And what is the, obviously y'all are going to make a cloud hosted version of Airbyte, but um, what does it look like today to deploy it within my own cloud environment? Yeah. So today you have three ways of deploying Airbyte. I would say the simplest one is you open your laptop and you just do a Docker compose takes you a few, takes a two or three minutes to, to start up and then you can get up and running. This is good when you want to do some POC or some testing. When you want to run it in a more product, like when you want to productionize Airbyte in your infrastructure, either you spin up one single instance and you can run it the same way. You have access to the UI and everything on the API. Or if you have like large, uh, volume of data uh, and a lot of connection, you can also deploy Airbyte on a Kubernetes cluster. So every single data replication job will be working as a separate pod. And, and what was the second method? The same as your laptop, just on uh, a cloud instance. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then as organizations shift to ELT versus ETL, where are you seeing organizations store all the raw data, data warehouse or data lake or some other place? I think it really depends on the, it really depends on the company. We see a bit of everything. We see people who just dump data on S3 and load it on demand, but even relational, maybe not relational data for relational data. Generally they have a direct link to the warehouse, but when you get data from like a SaaS service, sometimes you just want a snapshot and have the data somewhere so that your teams can start playing with it, whether it's using including it into a warehouse or running some Python script on top of it, you can do it. But what we obviously see a lot is people who just dump everything into warehouses and then they have all the raw right. data into warehouses and then they start applying all their DBT models and transformation on top of it. And that is the most, that is the model we're optimizing for because that's the first one we've been working with. Now we're also working a lot with data lakes, clouds, like cloud storage and, uh, and others. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what are your guiding principles when designing a modern data architecture? I would that's a very broad question. So yeah. I guess what are your top <laughs> ones? The first one I would say it's around uh, modularity. When you think of data stacks, your use of data is generally very tied to your business and how your organization is structured. So finding one solution end to end that will be your silver bullet is extremely hard to find, if not impossible. And what we see right now in how all the open source and solutions around data are being created is that they really try to focus on like being building blocks for companies so that company then can start picking the best of breed for each of the things that matter to them. So on our side, for example, one of the things we're very careful about is we really want to be the best at extract and load. 
we don't want to do transformations. There are a lot of things we don't want to do. We will just want to offer the highest quality open source connectors. And yes, we will add additional feature on top of it, but it is really bounded by the area of data movements. That's that's all. And DBT, mm -hmm. the reason why DBT is so good is that they decided, I don't care how I get the data, I just want to be the best at transforming data on top of a warehouse. And that's all. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try to do anything with files or anything like that. It's just data warehouse, period. And when you're thinking of the, the modern data stack there, you have like the, uh, I would say the backbone is more like the, the airflows or, or DAXer of the world, which actually give you this freedom of just assembling the best of building blocks and having something coherent within your organization. Where does airflow come in to a modern data stack? Can you give me a Yeah. I really see airflow as define, defining all your workflows. So typically Airbyte is one piece of it. It can be controlled by airflow. So you might have people who just decide, okay, I want to get data from, from Salesforce. Then I want it to be transformed by this DBT script. Then I want it to be transformed by this DBT script, this other DBT script, expose that potentially to different teams or this DBT transformation scripts are controlled by other teams. And then maybe I want to, I don't know, do some exports of this data into a different place. And Airflow is here to just sequence all these operations and tell you when something is broken or not. So. More as an orchestrator. Yeah, sorry. No, no, that, that makes sense. But do, do you need Airflow to orchestrate a data movement and transformation if I have Airbyte and DBT? It depends on how complex you want. We don't want to go too deep into it because we know there are tools like Airflow that can do a lot more than we do. We are mm -hmm. we offer some integration with DBT, but we will never go as far as what Airflow can do in terms of controls. It's just, there okay. will be a long tail of users who don't care about using Airflow and they just want, I integrate my data, I ingest it, and then I kick off a DBT job and that's all. But some organization will have use cases that are much more complex than that and that's where Airflow comes into play. Okay, got it. Do you think the majority of large organizations that are building out on top of these open source tools? Are they typically using Apache Air? Some flavor of it. Here I would say more like workflow managers. Yes, I, I would say, I would think so, yeah. Okay. Got it, that makes a lot of sense. And from a data quality perspective, I guess Airbyte does have some data quality around the integration side. Can you describe what that yeah. is? So I would say right now, in terms of data quality, we limit ourselves to, to schema uh, validation more than anything else and mm -hmm. ensuring that data that has been flagged as required is always there and we fail if that's not the case. We, we don't do any kind of like stats on the data or, or distribution of the fields or, or things like that. And that's, that goes back to what I was saying here. Mm -hmm. You have tools like great expectation where going to do something like that for you. So at that point is depending on what your data quality requirements are, you might be using great expectation on top of it once the data is landed on your warehouse. We do something, but it's more like structural more than the data itself. Got it. That makes sense. Is there a, another open source tool that either integrates with or sits on top of more of that pipeline holistic approach? You have 
everything that is downstream of warehouses, like you have superset, that is a very good one. But this one is more around like the consumption of the data. Let me think. There are plenty of open source projects around data. Like data has always been very rich with uh, with open source projects. You can argue that Kafka is one of them. It's very data oriented. It's an open source project. In terms of the modern data stack, I don't have some of the, of the guess... top of my head, but yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Do most organizations, they have their orchestrator, they have their Airbyte DBT going into the warehouse and maybe great expectations on top of the warehouse or the stuff they're transforming and that's it. Do, you know, is that typically all they typically have from a data quality governance perspective? Oh, I mean, they might have things that are not, um, that are not open source. You might be using also Monte Carlo or other type of, of tools like that. Okay. But, in the end, what matters, there's been a shift over the past few years on how companies are consuming data and the data where has become a central place. And what you're seeing right now is there are a lot of mm -hmm. projects and features that are gravitating around that warehouse. And first one is around ingestion, then data quality, then like observability, then all of these, uh, new features that are specific to your organization. And it's really like, by having all these modules, data teams can decide what makes the most sense to serve my business. And it's, it's really assembling all of that together. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. How do you think open source is affecting the data ecosystem today? Yeah. What trends are you seeing? I would say the strength of open source has always been that this is something that people can run themselves. And Open source has always been something that replaces the build of teams. Whenever you have a data problem, you have two choices. Either you build the solution or you buy the solution. Building is generally going to be less expensive at first, but very expensive over the long run. And open source is there to basically replace the build. It doesn't replace the buy, it replaces the build. And sorry, can you, I, I forgot the, 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 the end question. Yeah. What trends are you seeing from a, open source perspective with organizations. Yeah. And okay. And so basically because organizations are also realizing how the responsibility that they have toward the data that they own, because generally not theirs, it's like their customers' data. There is a trend where there is a lot of things that you want to keep in house. And so if you keep it in house in general, you have to build it yourself. And open source is just getting more and more popular because it gives you the, the, the best of both worlds where for some data, you're going to be using the open source version where everything can run internally and you don't have to share the data with anybody else. But you also have the right. alternative for things that are maybe less sensitive to use the cloud version of this open source project because very often what's like open source projects are also backed by a cloud version of the project or a hybrid version of the project so that all the revenue can also reuse to develop the, the open source version of the project. So for data, it's amazing because you get the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And then how does Airbyte handle schema drift and kind of how does that impact pipelines and yeah. all that? So it's a problem that we're really focusing on right now. Like we, right now we've been very, the guarantee that we're giving with Airbyte was if something changes, you will know. We will never bring data that has a different schema. We will break and we will let you as a user, the decision of 
what do you want to do with it? One of the feature requests that we're getting is, are there ways that people can configure policies on how they want to handle type change, how they want to handle a new type of record, or like a new column or recurrent that gets deleted. And right now we're building this either automated or just requiring like human interaction to, to figure it out. But that's something in the world right now. But right now our, our decision has, our position has always been, let's stay safe with the data. Let's not pollute good data with data that, has, that is different. And when you're solving that problem, do you have to go in and update all your connectors like from uh, the open source community or is that something that you can update from like your data or you know, your data plane and it applies to all the connectors? Yes, that's what we do. We this, So connectors should be should have as little logic as possible around how we do the pipelining. They should just be there to expose the data and the type of the data and the schema. And, but that's all. Now, if you need to do something smarter in the middle, then that is part of Airbyte core and not the connector. If we had to go over like 2000 different connectors to do some schema, schema change, that would be a nightmare. Right. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. And from a cost perspective, have y'all done, sure you have comparisons of running similar data integrations on Airbyte deployed in a cloud versus using like Azure Data Factory or another integration tool like Fivetran? Yeah, we get a lot of customers from Fivetran actually, especially when they start having a high volume of data because, you know what, when I think of data, the the value of the insight you extract from data is not correlated with the volume of data that you're importing. It might be sometime, but it is not directly linked. And when you look at existing pricing for most data products, is they all charge on number of lines. But what matters like the completude of the data, it's not the volume of the data. You need to have the whole data set to make to do the insight. But if you had the same data set but 100 times smaller, you would get this, the same insights. It's just that you need to have all that data. And when you see data product that charge by the number of record that they import or that they replicate, they it is counterproductive for their product because suddenly people are going to think, okay, you know what? I'm going to actually only use this product for low volume data sources, but for the higher volume or middle volume, I'm going to go and do it on, on the side. And that's what we've seen. That's what also motivated us on and, and got us the conviction that Airbyte as an open source product would work. And data warehouses don't, don't charge by the number of records that you have in a table because that doesn't reflect anything. They just charge you on the CPU that you are using for processing that data because CPU on the other end is correlated to the value you're getting. If you do a complex analysis, then you get potentially more value from that. Yes, you still have the volume component, but it is not the dominant one. Are, are there any averages that organizations save by switching to Airbyte? Obviously, you're not paying for the software, but from a compute and processing standpoint. Sorry, can you repeat the question? Yeah, is there like a cost savings that organizations typically save by integrating their data with Airbyte versus... Uh, first of all, right now it's completely open source, so you don't have to pay for software. You have to just pay for, for CPU and potentially maintenance. In terms of cost, I 
yeah, I don't really have an answer for that. But if they are using it, it means well, that they are getting no. the values they want from it. <laughs> yeah, no, there's definitely a value add for sure. Makes a lot of sense. What's been your biggest failure or lesson learned? I would say the initial product that we launched with Airbyte. And when we started Airbyte, both John, my co-founder, and I had an idea of a problem space where we knew what we wanted to do and what we wanted to solve. It's both like a business decision and, and data decision. It's what persona we were working with at that time. And we started working with like marketing profiles and we realized that both John and I are way better at talking to data data roles. So it's I, I don't know if it's a data failure or but as a failure in the data product that we're building, that was one where we targeted and we were building a product for the wrong persona. So Right. Exactly. Yeah, at the end of the day it's about the business getting their data <laughs> that they need to go forward. Yeah, And then where do you see data architectures hitting over the next um, two to five years from now? I see warehouses are becoming as becoming a cornerstone of any data, uh, data team. But more importantly, the, um, it's going to be on who has access to that data. And we'll see a lot more profile that are less technical have access to data. Some of the layers that I think are gonna really come up in the next five years are gonna be around like auditing, logging, permissioning of data on warehouses. Because whenever you ask yourself a question about data, in general, once you get the first answers, the first answer, it triggers like 10 other questions. And if you ask a data engineer or an analytics sure. engineer to do all these investigation, that is going to cost you a lot of money in terms of time, of, of people time. And you might have people that are actually more qualified internally to ask like this very precise question that might be less expensive in terms of, because maybe you want your data engineer to be working on like other data projects. So you don't want them to be answering data question or maybe less. And you will see more and more roles and more and more people exposed to that data. And I think Everything around data security, governance, auditing, logging, and permissioning, that's going to explode over the next few years. Are there any tools or open source projects that you have your eye on in that space? I'm really looking at warehouses for this because they, like the data, like the way Snowflake, for example, is thinking about data permissioning is really going into that direction where you can run a lot of things with, without ever having access to data. Just You can just get the result, not the, the actual raw data behind the scene. And I think we're going to see more and more of this. But it, it's very tied to, to data warehouses now. Yeah, not, not really in open source today. I'm sure there are, but I uh, haven't been looking at it too closely. Kind of data warehouses being the cornerstone going forward. I, I would argue that they're the cornerstone today. No. They yes, but not everybody has adopted them for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you, you still see a place for data lake, right? 
Sorry? The data lake still has its place, just coexisting yeah, with the data. It's becoming more and more blurry right. between the two. Now, I, I know, I would say one thing that is going to change, and we're starting to see the, a, we're starting to have a glimpse at it, which is people are very good at joining data, extracting insights from data, and joining data from multiple data sets. The question is, what do you do once you you have that data, that enriched data from all these different sources, and you want to activate that data. And when when you're thinking of the ELT space, you also have the reverse ETL space, which is how do you get that data that you know enriched that you've merged with other data set, and how do you send it to a place where your business user will be able to leverage that data on a day-to-day -day basis. So. It's instead of just having an, an ingress movement into warehouses, I'm also seeing a lot more on the egress from data warehouses to back to SaaS services, back to databases, et cetera, et cetera. And Airbyte can facilitate that reverse ETL, correct? That is true. Ultimately, when we're as we're starting as we're building Airbyte, the what we're really basing all of Airbyte on is the data protocol, which is just about moving data from point A to point B. So point A right. can be a SaaS API and point B is a warehouse or point A can be the warehouse and point B can be your SaaS API. And after that, it's just a matter of like adding more integration and figuring out also who is the personnel for this type of project because data engineers probably are not as close to reverse CTL as they are from ELT or ETL. And reverse CTL is more for like marketing users or sales users. And at that point, it becomes a very different type of product that you need to build. Sure. Absolutely. And wrapping up, do you have a favorite data book or resource that you recommend to our listeners? In terms of, term of book, I'm going to be very traditional there. The, you know, DDIA, like designing data intensive application. I, I recommend yeah. it for a lot of people <laughs> who want to understand data because if you don't properly think through your data pipeline and how you build data infrastructure, et cetera, it can very quickly become a bag of notes and something unmanageable. And I think this is very good at explaining right. all the steps for building and for maintaining data, like maintaining data at scale, basically. Right. Yeah, no, that's a great book. I highly recommend checking that out. And then if listeners want to connect with you afterwards, where should... So you can visit airby.io. I would recommend that you join our Slack uh, community. It's on slack.airby.io. And even if it's not just about, like this Slack community is not just about Airbyte. Yes, we have a lot of Airbyte users, but it's also about like the data space and data integration. So you, if you have questions, if you're looking for a job on the data space, you can find all of that on, on our public Slack. And that's the only Slack we have for the whole company, to be clear. So you will find everybody that's working at Airbyte on that Slack, and that's the Slack we use on a day-to-day -day basis. Awesome. Have to check that out. Well, thank you, Michelle, so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed this conversation and learning more about Airbyte. Thank you so much, Travis, for, for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Building the Backend. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. If you want to receive the latest data news in your inbox, join the newsletter at buildingthebackend.com. See you next time, Data Nation.